0: Warning: You are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records.
1: But I'd been forgotten, do. I'd been married a long time ago. (laughs) A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello there, welcome to Broken Records. This is episode 72 of the podcast, which searches for the worst album ever made in history in all of music's history. We delve through the worst stuff and try and rank it in order of badness. We're part of the Right Act podcast. So you can listen to us every Friday being nice about music my name's Stephen Hill I'll be one of the guys that will be doing that Renfrey Dedman's here he's the other guy that does that with me he's here he's hello. alive uh, he's all uh, right uh, Aren't you uh, hello oh, sorry yes. Renfrey
1: go on I'm okay um I have recovered from listening to this week's entry into the cauldron of shit How dare Um, you? (laughs) Uh, I listened to it around about four hours ago, and I feel like I can just about get
0: out of my PDSD. Mm. uh, So, you started listening to it 10 hours ago. (laughs) That's (laughs) what what it feels like. Fucking feels like it, doesn't it? Anyway, look, we should say before we get into this week's album that we're going to be chatting about, all of the albums here that we feature on the show are not here due to our own personal dislike of the record. They are here because of you suggesting them to us because of their critical standing because of their fan reaction because of a disappointing commercial performance that the album had or something miscellaneous which we will find out and discuss uh if that happens no, won't this week but anyway this week we're going to be talking about testify by phil collins the seventh solo studio album from the everyman solo superstar released on the 11th of november 2002 Before we get into that, though, we're going to run down the flop 20, the worst albums that we have covered on the show thus far. Just going to lick this bit of sugar off my finger. Mm. I had a cinnamon thing earlier. It was nice. It's probably the most positive I'm going to be about anything that we talk (laughs) about on the show here today. But uh, (laughs) the 20 worst albums that we've covered on the show thus far are thus. Thus? Yeah. In Descending Order. Okay. Queen and Paul Rogers with the Cosmos Rocks. Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound. Mr. Blobby, the album. The original soundtrack to the movie of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Owen Quig with his alter ego, Eoghan Quig, Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2. Blood, Sweat and Towers by the Towers of London. Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice. The best rap metal album that we've covered <laughs> thus far. <laughs> <laughs> Little Wayne, the Rebirth, the second or <laughs> second best rap metal album we've covered this far. Yeah. Cut the crap by the Clash and Gel it to the core by Corey Feldman, the Mad Rapist. uh The Shags, Philosophy of the World. We don't know that allegedly. We should say yes. Philosophy of the World by the Shags. Asshole by Gene Simmons. Uh, Total Zanarchy by Little Zan. Bad Blood by Blood on the Dance Floor. The Mad Rapists. We don't have to say it allegedly <laughs> no, for that. No, we don't. Methods of Mayhem's self titled debut album. Concerto in C Minor by the True Symphonic Orchestra. Double Wide by Uncle Cracker. Crazy Frog presents Crazy Hits. And still at number one. I'm not a fan, but the kids like it. By Broken Side, the worst album we've covered thus far. And of course, as ever, I give a shout out to Chinese Democracy by Guns N' Roses, because we didn't know where the fuck to put that record. Feel like this album will be slightly easier to rank Testify by Phil Collins released on the eleventh of november two thousand and two. Let's get into this record now. Can we say that we like Phil Collins these days, Renfries? Is that all right? Is it alright to say you like Phil Collins these days? Are you asking?
1: Are you asking me if I like phil collins or are you saying no oh, are you asking is it okay for one yeah. to like him um I, I i think that cadbury's gorilla advert did an awful lot for <laughs> phil collins's street cred i might genuinely that seems yeah. to be the turning point mm-hmm. um and he sort of went from i think uh, God, a laughing stock sounds a little harsh. I'm going to use it anyway.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, no, uh, it doesn't. I have much muchos evidence to, okay. to support that claim in a minute. Yeah.
1: So it felt like he went from a bit of a forgotten laughing stock. He wasn't in the public eye all that much, or, or certainly, if he wasn't the public eye, he was easy to avoid. Um, but you know, yeah, then that you know, man in a gorilla suit plays. Uh, plays that drum riff and um suddenly everyone's like actually you know phil collins i actually quite like phil collins and sort
0: of yeah him. yeah i mean you know poor old phil collins he had a funny little period i mean even when he was a massive megastar like in doing re- the research for albums we when we were first putting this this feature which became its own podcast together you know, I looked on the Wikipedia entry for the worst music ever made and Susudio by Phil Collins was named there as the, one of the worst songs ever made, which I thought was absolutely bizarre because Susudio's a fucking banger. There's no getting away from it. It's a great song, a like, wicked song. Um, maybe it's up there when it comes to my favourite Phil Collins songs. I think it's it's right up there, Susudio. So I didn't really know what the the beef with that was, but it was kind of, I guess just evidence of how much people disliked Phil Collins whilst he was absolutely massive. In the 80s, he was absolutely massive. He was a megastar. He was kind of like the Coldplay of his time. No one would ever admit to liking Coldplay, but somebody was buying a rush of blood to the head, right? A, a,
1: a lot of people were buying a rush of blood mm. to the head. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I suppose maybe Phil Collins did have that kind of Coldplay effect. It, it is difficult to like grasp just how huge he was in the 80s in the 70s the genesis you know um mm. but like he, he was an absolute monolithic
0: superstar stadium he was you yeah we'll see two stadiums
1: and stuff like that
0: yeah yeah he was absolutely huge and then again i mean look this podcast the amount of times we've gone along came the 90s. But the 90s, the 90s, things had to change. You know, the established old guard were out the door. and We've spoken about this a whole bunch of times. He had been basically, I think, a very good and kind of an odd little pop star in the 80s because he wrote these songs. Everybody liked him. He didn't look like, you know, from the MTV era. It's really weird to think that Phil Collins thrived during the MTV era when he sort of looks like, you know, Bod. Do you remember yeah. Bod?
1: Uh, Dodd.
0: Bod. 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 Who's Bod. <laughs> no, I don't remember no, Bod. Bod was an 80s British cartoon character. Okay. Basically. All right. Well, just basically a stick man with a round head with no hair and a little. Right. <laughs> okay. So Phil Collins looks like a stick man with a round head and a sort of drawn on face, doesn't he? He's not. A, he's not actually that good looking. He's less, but less good looking than that, I would say.
1: He's not a traditional. Um, looking pop star in in, in the slightest.
0: He's no no Kit Winger, is he? He's no Kit Winger, no. He's no Kit Winger. He's no David Coverdale, that's for sure. But he was... (laughs) I don't know, put a wig on him, he'd be all right. (laughs) He he was insanely popular, despite the fact that, as we've already mentioned, a lot of people hated his simple but very, very effective sort of pop bangers. Mm. But by the 90s, like we say, just like everyone else in that decade, he began to look kind of old hat, right? And that's not to say that he didn't have any hits during this this era, because he did, you know, Genesis, um, he was still a member of, of Genesis, and they were still big at that point. The Way We Walk album came out, uh, which was a big smash hit. And actually, the third CD that I ever purchased Renfree was Genesis Live at the Royal Albert Hall. We can't walk, we can't dance. Uh, Live, yeah. Not the best purchase I've ever made, admittedly. No. I think I probably shouldn't have put that third in the queue for (laughs) CDs that I bought. But I did for some reason. And um, anyway, that was 91. As we sort of discussed last week, that's not really the 90s yet. But it did have big songs in it, like the title track. Jesus Knows Me, No Son of Mine. Those are big songs. And they were released in the 90s. So still, at that point, Phil Collins, Love Him or Hate Him big star, right? He still
1: had some traction,
0: yeah. yeah. Certainly had some traction. And, and then he released his next album in 1993, Both Sides, and it featured songs like Both Sides of Story, again, a big hit. He announced he was leaving Genesis in 1996, and he released the album Dancing to the Light uh, the same year, and the title track from that song, I remember being played quite a lot as well. It was quite a big, big hit. But mm-hmm. we are At this point, I feel, hitting peak hating Phil Collins era. And the onset of that, for me, was Britpop. Britpop Mm. hated Phil Collins, particularly, specifically, Noel Gallagher. Noel Gallagher constantly said how the entire ethos and point of Oasis was to destroy Simply Red Sting Phil Collins all that boring shit that was big at the time if you are an arena band you were old boring Ford Mondeo music and Oasis were here to make real lads get back in the charts and in arenas and in stadiums around the world and proper rock and roll was coming back and Phil Collins bore the brunt of that quite a lot I think
1: it's a rivalry that makes sense there's a real softness to Phil Collins in particular Which it feels like a lot of the Britpop era, certainly the Gallagher brothers, were, you know, saw as um, weak, almost. I mean, you know, it's not a massive spoiler to say that this record, which is the only Phil Collins record I've listened to in full, I should say, this record is very wet. Very, very, very wet and i cannot imagine <laughs> i can't even imagine the gallagher sitting down and listening to it for five minutes let alone you know longer than that but yeah it that makes sense
0: in the documentary supersonic noel gallagher says we're going to get rid of this is an old it's this is taken from a lot from when they first came out we're going to get rid of stinger phil collins junk food music mcdonald's music we've got to get in the charts and stamp them out i want the severed head of phil collins in my fridge and if by the end of this decade i haven't got it i'll be a failure not my words lynn the words of noel gallagher um I guess that main means that considering this album came out two years after the end of that decade, yeah, Noel Gallagher <laughs> didn't, didn't happy happy to <laughs> accept himself as a failure.
1: Um I mean, yeah. Noel Gallagher's usually look, like, you know, I will give him credit, he's usually really good um with his observations and his metaphors and stuff, and that's a big part of what makes him quite funny often. But I don't think the sort of happy meal association really rings true with phil collins it kind of suggests something a bit more disposable than what phil collins is at least trying to achieve do you know what i mm. mean uh, I, I don't know i mean i'm being very pernickety but but i do think noel gallagher is usually far more on point with his uh criticisms and that doesn't feel like a justified criticism in my opinion
0: yeah i mean there's an interesting thing i found from an excerpt of um phil collins autobiography where he talks about going on holiday and being in the same resort. And this is around the time of, you know, what's the story Morning Glory and being in the same resort as Noel Gallagher. So meeting Noel Gallagher. And um, basically he sort of suggested to the resort owner where he was staying that, you know, it was wasn't that lively of an evening and maybe they should get some musicians in the the sort of the resort to you know just play some music and jam and a little bit of entertainment which is a perfectly fine thing to do phil collins
1: did this is phil collins phil
0: collins did this yeah and uh the resort owner said well look, i can get if you play drums i can get a sort of saxophonist and uh, a couple you know a brass section to come and maybe you can do some you know some tunes together, and Phil Collins said, "Ah, oh, I'll absolutely do that." Which, considering he's on holiday and he didn't yeah. have to do that, That's seems very... like quite a nice thing to do. Yeah. So on the night of the gig, Phil Collins goes over and meets the rest of the band that he's going to be doing, and notices in the corner while they're they're setting up that um, Noel Gallagher, Noel Gallagher's wife at the time, which would have been Meg Matthews, is that, is that her name, Meg Matthews? Um, That's I don't know. Okay, Johnny Depp, Kate Moss, and a Labour MP he doesn't know which one, are sitting in the corner having drinks. It's so, a strange table. <laughs> <laughs> it is That's a strange an table. table. Yeah. Right. So this is the excerpt taken from Phil Collins' book. He says, I asked Noel if he'd be interested in, in having a knockabout with us. Noel's wife pops up. She's seen the video for In Your Eyes, the second single from Dancing to the Light, on which I played guitar one I'd borrowed from Paul McCartney, a fellow left-hander. She informs me that she knows I'm not a good guitarist and I'm not fooling anyone. Uh, that wasn't my intention, I reply. It just felt good. Now Noel speaks. Dismissing and declining the invitation, I retire to the bar, feeling not a little embarrassed. Credit to Kate Moss, though. She comes over and apologises for the odd encounter. Our small trio starts playing regardless and the Gallagher party up and leave soon after. Um, Renfrey i'd like to have seen that
1: well do you know what <laughs> i would like to have seen it i think i've mentioned this in a previous i don't know if it was a writer's review or broken records or what it was but noel gallagher walked out on a remfri deadman gig mm. yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Like, was you it? did mention that yeah. i haven't i thought i had yeah i wasn't sure if i had or not but yeah uh <laughs> I, was playing, so I was playing Finally you and
0: Phil Collins together. That's
1: something life. in common, yeah. He was uh, I was playing twelve bar when it was still around. And um uh, he was at the bar and he was there to see the act previous to me, I believe. Um and you know, he stuck around, but he popped his head in for about thirty seconds and then he popped his head out <laughs> which was fine. I didn't think I'd appeal to him. So yeah.
0: Did you not sound like the Beatles at all?
1: but uh no i i mean I, I i don't know i don't i don't think i sounded like the beatles no no sounded, okay.
0: well then I'm, you're not really gonna be for him then are you, i was probably
1: i was probably too wet for him i mean mm. i would have been so yeah i'm not i wasn't enough. as wet as this album fuck me but i was i was too <laughs> wet for him
0: yeah yeah uh phil collins comes out of that quite well i think if that is yeah. what happened
1: yeah Yes, you know? we do have to <laughs> bear in mind that that this is his account of what the happened. account of it, and I'm sure he he could have smoothed a few edges off if he so chose to. But yes, if that is uh, a, a truthful account and an honest account, then yeah, I think he comes across very well. And the fact mm. I think I like the fact that he said he was embarrassed because he could have been like I'm fucking Phil Collins, you know, but he had the humility to feel a little bit embarrassed, even though I don't think yeah. he necessarily should have, should have been nice of but, him you
0: know. to nice of him to play drums for the people at the resort to offer it's that up a, on your holiday a, i think that's quite a nice thing it's to a do.
1: lovely invitation and can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine there will be a venn diagram somewhere of people who love genesis and they love oasis can you imagine if you were there and that just happened in front of you like be fucking you know it'd be the one of the coolest nights of your life it would be amazing you know,
0: mm. can you imagine if you were like oh my god i love Benny and June, and Genesis, and Oasis, and New (laughs) Labour. Like, oh, get them, that's my ultimate super dream. That
1: would, I think you'd just keel over and die from sheer, Mm. sheer surprise if that happened, but yeah.
0: Mm. (laughs) And I'm, my, my dream woman is a woman who loves cocaine and sort of scraggly looking men. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) this is the best night of my life. Anyway not so long after this phil collins actually went on room 101 back when uh paul merton was hosting it yes. and tried to put the gallagher brothers into the vault of room 101 and he said this they're just horrible horrible guys rude not as talented as they think they are i won't mince words here they've had a go at me personally they keep having a go at me which i find strange he's actually called me the antichrist of music if you can stomach, stomach the behavior there's some good stuff i'm not having a go at oasis the the band I love the Beatles, and it's a great nod to that. Oh, <laughs> twist that knife, <laughs> twisting that knife, twisting that knife. That's quite a cheeky well, little dig, I yeah. It's not
1: entirely inaccurate either.
0: Yeah, um, but I heard the music long before I knew what these guys were about. And he does actually get the Gallagher brothers put into room one hundred and one. Ah, well done, yeah. well done, Phil Collins. Mm. So you know, he sort of Phil Collins bites back against <laughs> <laughs> you know it, on prime time BBC One. Yeah, How rock and roll. But it, but it wasn't even just the Gallagher's that, that were shitting on Phil Collins. I actually no. found a clip from the 1992 Billboards Awards. And Phil Collins is given the award for best rock artist to U2. And U2 really fucking mug him off in <gasps> quite a kind of horrible way, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's like, oh, the best rock artists of 1991 are u2 but they have just come off their tour and they're at home in ireland and it cuts to you like a via satellite it cuts to it cuts to adam clayton bono and the edge sat at a bar with loads of pints of guinness surrounding them and they're obviously like a bit pissed or pretending to be a bit pissed i don't know mm. and Phil Collins sort of tries to interview them while they're in a, a loud bar, like while all this shit's going on. And it's pretty awful. And he, he asks Larry, um, he asks where Larry is. He's like, oh, where's Larry today? And the edge says, he's been a, he's not here. He's been a bit weird recently. You know how drummers get when they start trying to sing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Phil Collins goes, oh, well, we've got another surprise for you. You're also got the biggest grossing tour of the year, which means that means more people have paid to see you than any other artist. So if you need an opening act, I'm here, guys, and you two just piss themselves, <laughs> just openly go. I <laughs> yeah, imagine, imagine Phil Collins opening for us. <laughs> what a fucking stupid thing, right? And so the bar- so they laugh and then they go, but we've got an award from you, and I believe your barman's called Paddy. He's got your award. Paddy hands him the award. Paddy's about 60. And Adam Clayton goes, hey, Phil, Paddy here is a big fan of your music, as are all of our parents, right? (laughs) (laughs) To which Paddy Paddy the barman goes, I'm not that old. (laughs) Even the fucking barman's having a go at Phil Collins. Even a bloke, an old man working in a bar in Dublin. He's like mugging off Phil Collins in 1992. (laughs) It's fucking... So, I only bring all this up, dear listener, to suggest to you that Phil Collins was maybe the least cool man on the face of planet Earth around the time that we get to this record, right? Or to the late 90s. He was literally the least cool man imaginable.
1: Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of someone else. Like, it's kind of Noel Edmonds' level, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I have really John, Ma- John Major, Noel Edmonds. Like these other people <laughs> <Yeah>. in 1997, <laughs> yeah. you'd be like, imagine being John Major in 1997.
1: Everyone feels sorry for them, just just a little yeah. bit, but but still still takes Sticks the booting. Out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think that's fairly accurate.
0: Yeah, Phil Collins getting mugged off left, right and centre. I mean, it's one thing getting mugged off by the Gallaghers. It's another thing getting mugged off by U2. Yeah. Getting mugged off by a six-year-old barman from Dublin.
1: U2 <laughs> <laughs> aren't a mugging off band either. No, they were, I... but
0: they were horrible too. They were, I was watching it. And I was going, even, like, to be fair, Bono doesn't really mug him off, but he does come across quite sort of like he's not, that bothered about it, whereas the other two are literally just laughing in his face. Like, look at Phil Collins. And Phil Collins is wearing a sort of purple jacket with a t shirt, like he's in Miami Vice, you know, <laughs> sort of five years too late, and it doesn't really fit him. And it's just, you know, and he stood on stage in front of all of these people in a theatre, and there's a TV that you two are like, ah, ha, ha, like looking down on it And it's sort of angled down as well, so it's looking down on him. It's just think like this is a metaphor for your career at the moment Phil everyone's just looking down on you <laughs> laughing at you you've just been put up here in this sort of bad suit just to be sort of mocked it's quite horrible brilliant i
1: will um i will put a link to the uh, to the youtube footage on the episode description because mm. that sounds very amusing
0: yeah so being in a bit of a pickle in sort of 1999 what do you do what do you do if you need to kind of reinvent yourself and you know kind of uh, appeal to the kids now we've had a bunch of people trying to do various things thus far in broken records in that way like you go rap you could go rap couldn't you we've seen a few people trying to go rap <laughs> I don't go cyber see phil,
1: collins. <laughs> I don't
0: see rap. phil collins go rap uh well we'll be seeing the opposite of that which is see like there is a in the hat there is rap goes phil collins rather than phil collins goes rap so uh, this will not be the last time on this show we're talking about phil collins trust oh, right. me Excellent. um but, um, you know, you go rap. You could go cyberpunk. Couldn't you really? You could try going grunge like Motley Crue did. Mm-hmm. Or you could pick on something that the kids really like. Disney. <laughs> pick on. Phil <laughs> Collins went Disney. In 1999, he tried to pull an Elton John. Who Elton John had quite the glow up in the 90s, didn't he? A good decade for Elton John. That Princess Diana died. Cashback. He loved that. <laughs> Made a fucking shitload of money from that, didn't he, Out John? But he was like, when Prince sure died, he was laughing like, all
1: the way to the bank when I his friend died. He, yeah. I think he
0: was. I think it's the biggest selling single in Britain ever. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. He's done all right for that, hasn't he? Probably <laughs> delighted. He's like, I oh, fucking wish Harry would get cancer. That'd be great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can imagine him saying that as well.
0: Uh, <laughs> I need, I need eighteen new sofas, <laughs> gold encrusted sofas. God, please take William, <laughs> take him, let a bomb at him, <laughs> let a fucking helicopter land on, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> on the Queen's
0: mouth. He just anyway, he's to hire a driver in Paris, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that can sort it out but so there was that that was good we all we all enjoyed that didn't we all enjoyed princess diana dying we all if well if, if we we're out in john's accountant we loved it but i
1: feel like we've had our cachet of monarch bashing for the year in the last two minutes almost uh but i'm sure we'll go over that anyway
0: we'll be fine but also he's writing on the soundtrack to the disney film the lion king which um he wrote and performed, didn't he, like Elton John, yep, he's got a big old, John. like, yep, yep. right up, back up there, that was not <laughs> quite as good as the <laughs> Princess Diana dying for him, but it was massive, and still, you know, the Lion King, big I, big big things for Elton.
1: It felt like, I mean, obviously, at the time, I wasn't an expert because not on Elton John at all, because I was, what, fucking seven or eight years old. But it did feel like he was going through a resurgence. I don't know if it would have been a second career resurgence or maybe even by that point a third career resurgence. But I feel like The Lion King (coughs) um, pushed the music of Elton John into a lot of people's um, ears, mine included, really, I would Mm. say, because off the back of The Lion King soundtrack, I A, bought the soundtrack on cassette tape, but I also bought the... um, sort of blew the very yeah, best of that. Elton John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. And that
0: one. that came out just either before or after or it around was, the same time as, was, well, I was going to say, yeah. Made in England, which is not yeah, considered right. a very good Elton John album. No. Although the title track is fucking excellent. Um,
1: I, I almost bought Made in England and I bought The Very hmm. Best Of instead. So um, I think it is the right, th- thing, the right thing. the right yeah, thing
0: yeah, yeah. to have done. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, look, like, that was a real big for Elton and you know yeah. sort of again, like he did have this big career resurgence, and he's sort of been all right ever since really, is it he? he's never kind of fallen back out of favor, and I think the Lion King did give him that kind of top up the, again
1: the closest he's got is stuff like. <laughs>
0: Is that him doing it on lockdown? Yes! Dumb Dill Dan! Yeah! dum Dill Dan! Dumb Dill Dan! I'm Dill I'm Jill Dando! He made Dumb so like, Dill Yeah! Yeah! Dando! Yeah! am Jill Dando! Yeah! taking all the vowels out of your songs Elton
1: I Bernie think... Corpin
0: handed in the lyrics but his typewriter didn't have any vowels on it so he was like oh, well this is called I'm Dildan Dan.'" <laughs> Dildan <laughs> I think are <laughs> took way too much about Elton John you at really this point are. he's a hero I, of mine
1: I, I think that's the closest he has come to being taken down mm. in anyone's estimation whatsoever and even that most people took with a kind of like isn't he funny But he's still a brilliant songwriter, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one was like, oh, Elton John's shit now. No, No
0: they weren't. No, No, no. No
1: one worth listening to.
0: I've seen people say that, and I think... Oh, your stupid crap taste <laughs> in everything. Um, would you be
1: interested? In, oh, we're still talking about Elton John. Would you be interested in, if a new Elton John album came out? Would you like be like, I really want to hear it? Or would
0: yeah, know? I would be interested to hear. What he, well, I mean, he's you know he he was on the Eddie Vedder album. He was on the did that song with Dua Lipa. He does stuff all the time. He you does. Know? He's in a, a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, he did that thing last year, which was not you know the kind of lockdown sessions and that, which. Yeah. Not really a proper album, that's sort of why we didn't cover it on the weekly right act show. But we are talking about Elton John quite a lot, and again, it's going to show how easy it is to forget that Phil Collins exists, isn't it? That we've actually got an episode (laughs) dedicated to him, and we've spent way more time pretty much talking about actually Elton John. Um, anyway, uh, so Phil Collins pulled an Elton, he did hook up with Disney and he wrote and performed songs for the 1999 Disney animated movie Tarzan. Now, I I've never seen Tarzan Remfrey, neither, neither but, have I. No, so I don't know the songs from it. But
1: no, neither do I. I've
0: never seen The Lion King either. Oh, and I do know Circle of Life, so I'm guessing that sort of says something.
1: I'm assuming you know Hakuna Matata as well. And yeah, I'm fucking... not sure
0: that's an Elton John song, but whatever. You know, oh, yes, sure. I do know that. Oh, yeah. Fine. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: can you feel the earth uh, air tonight? Can, oh, what the fuck is it called? Can that's
0: what I've just. Can you feel the love tonight love yeah. tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. definitely. An Elton can one. you feel the love tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: definitely an Elton
0: one. Is that a circle of life? That's not, is that the circle of life? That's yeah, the circle of life. life. No, no, no circle, the
1: circle of life.
0: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it. It's keep not, not my favorite in. here. Definitely keep this bit <laughs> in. I mean, it's not my favourite Elton John material. It's like, I, if you spoke to me about David Bowie and I got fucking uh, Dance Magic, Dance, and, and <laughs> In the Underground mixed up, I think that would be fine. And I, still <laughs> I wouldn't lose my, like, cred as a...
1: But I'm, I'm aware we're still talking about Elton John, but I'm very fond of the Lion King soundtrack because it's the first full Elton John album I heard. So, you know. But... Mm. Anyway, Phil Collins... <laughs>
0: Phil Collins did the movie Tarzan, and he decided to do the music for Tarzan. But unbelievably, I mean, do you know the songs from Tarzan? I mean, You'll Be In My Heart is the big song from Tarzan. Are you aware of that song? Right. Uh,
1: No, I was about to say, name me the biggest song, and I'll tell you if I know it. And You'll Be In My Heart doesn't ring a bell at all.
0: It doesn't to me, but I think we might be in the minority here, because it spent 19 weeks at number one on the Billboard adult contemporary chart which is what we're all secretly hankering after yeah. that, aren't we <laughs> yeah. really love he a bit pre- of adult contemporary yeah he performed the song at the halftime super bowl show wow fuck which is big I mean that's been in the news recently which you probably already heard us discussing on Riot Act if you listen to Riot Act and what the fuck he won an Oscar and the Golden Globe for best original song for it
1: oh shit wow alright fair enough So, Um,
0: it hmm. did actually do rather well. Um, And after the release of the record, he was awarded a Star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame as well. Probably not just for the Tarzan music, but he did get one. Um, I looked at his speech from the Oscars, and the song, the Oscars presented to him um, by Cher, who looked delighted that he won. I mean, at least somebody in the music industry likes Phil Collins. I mean, fuck me. If they'd have got like... (laughs) Adam Clayton to perform it to be awarded to him. That would have felt like a bit of a smack in the chops wouldn't it? But Cher actually looks really really delighted that Phil Collins has won an Oscar. And um, Phil Collins says this you don't know what this means to me you don't know what this means to my kids and then his voice trembles a little bit he says my family God this is tough I didn't realise this was going to be so tough my wife Oriane my kids Lily and Simon who really wrote this for me thanks to the Academy for making all the films I watch this is fantastic and it genuinely looks like it means a hell of a lot to him it Mm. genuinely looks like Phil Collins is really really happy and really moved by the fact that he's won this massive award because as we've just laid out he was sort of looked at as a bit of a joke within the music industry and then suddenly he's got a Golden Globe, he's got an Oscar he's got a big hit thing he's working with Disney Um, that's that's pretty that's pretty nice you know
1: well, it's pretty nice to see I'm guessing I mean we have to remember that I think with the run of Beauty and the Beast Aladdin and the Lion King Disney were having a hell of a resurgence in the early 90s and actually massive disney aficionados of which i know a few uh would probably even maintain that is that is the best era for disney full stop so i guess you know phil collins seen what happened to elton john who i don't think elton john and phil collins are the same at all, but you can see parallels, certainly with where, I think where they both were in terms of uh, respect right at the beginning of the 90s, <laughs> I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had seen what he had done for Elton, and I'm guessing thought it would do the same for him as well. And um, it may have done short term. I mean, when you put it like that and say that it won, you know, Best Song Oscar and... and all those accolades. Yeah, maybe it did for a brief period of time. But I, mm. I was kind of... I was pretty unaware of it.
0: I was. I mean, what we should say is that really what I'm getting at is that it sort of sets Phil Collins up. Hey, look. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, for the first time in a long time, you might see Bonjour oh, behind hello, me. Bon look bon who g- it is. Good yeah. Bonjour. She's just come along. I'll tell you what. You mentioned the Lion King. And, and there she is. And there she is. Oh, yeah. Uh So, um... She's standing on my record player, but she knows drives me fucking mad as well. <laughs> you know you're not meant to be up there. <laughs> look at her. Uh, standing on the fucking record player. I State can, I can see.
1: I can see. You can't put your Tarzan soundtrack on now. That's annoying.
0: I've actually got um, Arc Tangent by 109. Oh, and then she's off. Sweet. Fine. There you go. Nice little thing. For nice people. little
1: bonjour interlude. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I, I do think when you look back at it now that, I mean, Tarzan for Disney does seem to be the beginning of their drop off um because they had a they had a real well, to say that Disney had a wilderness period seems like a crazy thing to say when they're probably one of the biggest companies in the world yeah. that have remained so. But, you know, in terms of, like,
0: the quality... Toy Story is coming out then, wasn't it? Well, that's Pixar. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. You, that, oh, that...
1: Uh, yes, quite. Okay, yeah. Okay.
0: You know, that kind of stole its thunder a little exactly. bit at this time, didn't it? Yeah, and Disney, mm.
1: you know, continued to do traditional... <sighs> animation hand-drawn animations obviously they were done on the computer but you know hand-drawn style animations which really fell out of favor for a few years because of the cgi boon and all that kind of thing it's it's gone the other way again now i feel maybe not the other way but 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 hand-drawn animation is totally fine now people will go out to see it again but there was a real fear that hand-drawn animation just wouldn't be of interest to people ever again Um, kind of thing so yeah there was a bit of a slump and I guess it's amazing really isn't it
0: yeah it's amazing really isn't it that we can't go more than about two minutes without changing the subject (laughs) to Phil Collins
1: (laughs) because everything everything else around (laughs) Phil Collins is more interesting than Phil Collins he inserts himself into interesting situations but he himself is not interesting
0: well uh, this was also on the Tarzan soundtrack was the first time that Phil Collins worked with you know (laughs) Who he should be working with really? Producer Rob Carvalho, who has produced Green Day, My Chemical Romance, Kid Rock, Lincoln Park, and Jawbreaker. The bloke <laughs> he did Jawbreaker <laughs> produced Phil oh Collins. God, it's, it's I mad. mean He also produced the album Testify that we're about to talk about, but he started working with him in, on Tarzan. I mean, has there ever been a weirder mash of people? working together than phil collins and rob Carvana. this is weird this is weirder than lou reed and metallica isn't it
1: i don't know because i looked up rob i i knew this from doing the research my association with rob Cavello is he is the guy that did a lot of green day's stuff you know um he's the american idiot guy you know um and consequently, you know, I knew he'd done stuff with Linkin Park, and I, and My Chemical Romance went to him as a result of that. He did a Hot Hot Heat album, which of course is Didn't the he? pinnacle of his career.
0: <laughs> it was every,
1: yeah, um, but
0: sort of puts him next to Brian Epstein in terms <laughs> of like sort of co- producers and their sort of cultural impact and footprint.
1: I'd say so. Um, that really <laughs> is only half of his career because he's also done um, shit shit those of soundtrack work. He did. Uh, the soundtracks to Clueless, uh, Private Parts, City of Angels, Tarzan, Detroit Rock City, The Princess Diaries, Brother Bear, which we might get onto in a bit, Twilight mm. 2012, and Transformers: Dark of the Moon.
0: But everything you've just mentioned there, when you think of it, like the Clueless soundtrack is a great kind of alt rock soundtrack. Mm. Detroit Rock City is full of like seventies rock um, covers by True. the likes of uh, Pantera, and well, mm. it was it was Trey Diablos, wasn't it? It was Pantera without Phil doing cat scratch fever it was dime on vocals oh, Vinnie that. paul and rex brown doing as a sort of um trays hombres or something i can't remember anyway yeah. and yeah but uh, yeah but like everything you've mentioned there is kind of with the exception of a couple they're kind of alt rocky sounding g- guitar based things right Well, yeah in air, so, air in heads some, as well. Like you know, in
1: some of those cases he's compiling soundtracks Mm. i believe unless he's doing the score i don't actually know but some of them will be the score i mean i'm assuming *Transformers: dark of the moon is the score i don't know to be totally honest with you um but you know well that
0: that was the one with linkin park Antibus That's elite song, true,
1: that as a matter of fact. So yeah, I mean, you know, there's all these connections here, but I, I basically I didn't know that Rob Cavello had this whole side to him as well. Whatever mm. his involvement was with these film projects, I mean, I, I've only listed like a quarter, probably not even that, of the ones that he's done. You know, there, there were there were lots, lots and lots and lots. So and he's been doing it for a while. So yeah.
0: Mm. still weird isn't it still weird yeah (laughs) fucking weird (laughs) Weird. it's fucking weird anyway so but anyway the point is with the success of tarzan oscar winner phil collins with his hollywood star on the on his star on the hollywood walk of fame and Mm. his 19 weeks at number one on the adult contemporary billboard chart everything is set up in the early 2000s for the career renaissance of phil collins here we go next album's gonna come out and people are gonna go he's back phil collins is back right that's what it's all set up for one would think <laughs> phil collins decides to make a new solo album crafted in his home in switzerland where he is a tax exile tory person that's what Noel gallagher used to like saying about him as well he vehemently denies that it is worth pointing out but that's what lots of people used to sort of shit on him for as well oh he's a tax exile living in switzerland Um, He crafted the album. Crafted. He wrote and performed the album over a two-year period in his home studio in Switzerland. The tracks were derived from bedroom demos that Phil Collins made during that time, with Carvalho basically polishing them up a little bit. And uh, Collins did play most of the instruments on the record um it sounds he actually, like he
1: pressed it like he pressed the demo button on a casio keyboard for half yeah time.
0: i mean i think you can tell having played actual drums on dancing <laughs> to the light in 1996 yeah he goes back to the drum machine here and yeah. i think you can tell because the drum sound amongst other things is fucking dreadful fucking dreadful mm. drum sound on this mm. album One of many things that we'll get to that are problematic about this. The first single from the album was Can't Stop Loving You, a cover of the 1978 Leo Sayer hit. I mean, that sounds more like something that fucking Westlife would have done, right?
1: Well, yeah. um, Yeah, Westlife Do Sayer. It's an interesting choice. It's an interesting song to do uh i mean it is by far and away the most popular song in terms of listens on spotify yeah. mm-hmm. um most of the songs on the album have between 1 to 6 million plays roughly uh whereas can't stop loving you has 60,897,720 at time of
0: recording uh which is just that's absolute, mad isn't it? It, it's shit people <laughs> yeah. Well, not even 60 million people. Well, 60, 60 million, million listens.
1: I mean, uh, fucking yeah. hell. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it's a, it It doesn't strike an awful lot of confidence in your new album, does it? When, when the debut single that you release from it is the only cover on the record. It is a yeah. weird move. I mean, I guess, going from the Spotify numbers, it kind of worked.
0: Uh, well, this is what Phil Collins had to say about this song he said i heard leo sayer's version of can't stop loving you on vacation and i was impressed by the fantastic melody i have attempted to breathe new life into this song and change its feel now i'm not actually familiar with the leo sayer original of can't stop loving you but if you mean by breathing new life into it You mean pumping it full of bullets? Then, yes, maybe. That's Um, usually what people mean when they say yeah, 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 I I mean, killing it, definitely. (laughs) It peaked at number 28 on the UK singles chart. Don't remember it coming out. It peaked at number 76 on the US Billboard Top 200. That's not great, but swings and roundabouts. It was a number one hit in Poland. (laughs) Yeah. Where they famously have the best taste in music, right? (laughs) Uh,
1: Where you can get away with cheap production is probably what I would say. (laughs) You can probably do that in Poland. I mean,
0: Decapitated and Behemoth were sort of starting (laughs) early tentative steps in their career around this point. And it isn't... Kind of tempting to look at the success of that song in Poland and think, well, I'm sure <laughs> Decapitated and Behemoth were both listening to the radio and went, we should make something like this. And that's what ended up coming out, definitely. I'm
1: convinced
0: that's what happened. Yeah, that's probably yeah. what happened. Uh, I watched the video for this song because I'm a sadist and because I I prayed that something funny would come out of it. No, it's just Phil <laughs> It's just Phil Collins sitting on a street corner in New York and walking around the city with a boombox like he's in Public Enemy, which is not the fucking vibe for this song at all. But it's sort of fine. He ends up being transported into many different cities around the world, just in a black shirt God. looking a bit fatter and a bit sad as all the people play with their new mobile phones behind him there's one bit where he goes to japan and there's a kind of uh, harashuku girl and she's holding an ipod and she's got the headphones in her ear and she's literally jumping up and down on the spot to this well to whatever she's listening to i'm assuming she's not listening to that song while she's jumping up and down on the spot because I, I, unless I, she's I, very easily pleased
1: it's not a jumping up and down on the spot it's song it's definitely not <laughs> it's really it's, not
0: <laughs> definitely not so uh, let's have a look at how it was received it's got a rating of 34 out of 100 on Metacritic uh, Q gave the album one star and said middle age is excuse for such an unforgivably bland collection of over emoted love songs Mojo gave the album the same score saying testify really doesn't work Uncut also gave it one star saying Collins sounds dated with his glossy production precision session playing and radio friendly songs all done by numbers with a great big hole where the heart should be rolling stone gave the album six out of ten saying genesis and colin's hair are long gone but he still has that invisible touch testifies full of laid-back better than average adult contempo fare and the subtle atmospheric production sure beats the slickness of his 80s records what the fuck are you on about lads what the fuck are you on about (laughs) blender gave the album two stars Saying there is little to compare with either the work of Genesis in his heyday or his still heartbreaking 1981 solo debut. It reached number 15 on the UK albums chart and number 30 on the US Billboard Top 200. Its peak position worldwide was number 2, which it reached in both France and Switzerland. The old Collins family bought a couple of (laughs) coffees in Switzerland, didn't they? Which is, um, you know, pretty rubbish. It's not been certified. Imagine
1: you'd need to sell that many copies to get number two in Switzerland. You know? Well, well
0: well well. Well we'll well. in France. Um it's not been certified in the US at all. It's gone gold in the UK, selling a hundred thousand copies, but it has sold a million copies in Europe. Platinum in Europe. Most of them are in France, where it's gone twice platinum and sold six hundred thousand copies in France. What the fuck's
1: all that about? I um, don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. They must like really boring music in France. I don't know. It's sold
0: 40,000 copies in Switzerland, by the way. That's platinum. Okay. All right, that so, you know. Yeah, that's quite a lot. You know, <laughs> yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> it's quite a lot for for this, definitely. It, yeah. Um. It's also sold... I mean, you say, they said it's done a million in Europe. It's done 600,000 in... France and four hundred and fifty thousand in Germany. So that's nine hundred and fifty thousand. So it's got it's, it's definitely sold more than a million because it's done a hundred in in the UK. And you look at the other places that you know, like some fifty thousand in Spain, thirty thousand in Sweden, twenty-five thousand in Belgium, fifteen thousand. So it's more like sort of edging towards the sort of one point two five million at this point.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah,
0: which is just fucking mad, isn't it? Really. Anyway, that's what it's sold. But Remfrey, <laughs> my favourite question of the show always: What do you think of Testify by Phil Collins?
1: Oh, um, I I found Testify a really draining listen. Um, everything about it, I found. It, it felt like it was sucking the energy out of me i, know. From I felt the like I, I, was I was having
0: playing. chemotherapy when i was it was it's honestly like a flesh-eating virus
1: yeah yeah um it's a very very long 56 minutes and 17 seconds we did billy idol cyberpunk last week and went on about how that album felt long and this album's a good 10 11 12 minutes shorter at least actually i think it's a good 15 minutes shorter than the billy idol album and it feels longer yeah, about 10 minutes about 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Was, okay yeah it feels longer than the yeah, billy idol
0: record it's it just... feels longer than anything that's ever i mean honestly i <laughs> i it was it was so Long, this record. I was praying for it to end. Like, I mean, I didn't protest the invasion of Iraq, but I would. I mean, it feels longer. But I would have protested the end of this album before. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I would have done that. I would have gone to Parliament (laughs) Square and gone. End. Testify by Phil Collins. Now it's gone on. It's gone on too long. This is less like an album length and more like sort of Israel-Palestine conflict it has been going on that long. I got to like track six and I was like, I feel like I've listened to some, some bands' entire back catalogs feel shorter. Yeah. I I was doing a track by, I was doing a kind of best to worst of a band whose first album came out in the 70s the other day. And I had to listen to all 15 of their albums. And I was like thinking about that feels like less of my time than (laughs) the first five tracks on this album
1: yeah it's it's it really just expands time in a way which really feels like your soul is being sucked out of your body it's Mm. a really really protracted prolonged experience it's not very nice um joyless
0: isn't it it's just a joyless experience
1: it is very joyless and that that's the really sad thing about it because i was kind of hoping or expecting after a minute or so i was like well hopefully there'll be some stuff here which is laughably bad like so bad it's funny um and there isn't really it is just bad and i didn't really laugh at any of it there were times where i raised my eyebrows um but i didn't laugh. well i at i'm
0: assuming it. you mean don't get me started on politicians and the lies they spray <laughs> every day it's harder to judge fiction and fact fake news in it phil's a truther <laughs> that's on the song <laughs> don't get me started
1: uh, which i said is essentially an episode of the bbc's grumpy old men uh, <laughs> yeah. condensed into a five minute song uh yeah don't even mention sex and religion and who they take to bed but if you see me running down the street know where i'm running to i'm tired of honesty being denied us i'm coming looking for you i mean there are just some awful awful lyrics on this record um it was actually more driving me crazy um i think driving me crazy is the kind of song that uh could genuinely come back to haunt phil collins if he ever gets into any trouble uh yeah what's
0: what's going on here in this song
1: well let's just go through the first verse and the uh, Mm -hmm. and the chorus no matter where you go i'll be there
0: bit stalkery
1: no matter where you hide i'll find you double stalkery i'll be there looking through the window watching everything you do there's no escaping me i'll be like your worst enemy i'm right behind you every place you run to i'll be there with but
0: i would need to point this out because when you say that you think like well he's got previous on this because you know um in the air tonight is a, quite a brooding, threatening song, yeah, right? Yeah. This sounds like the fucking Macarena. <laughs> this sounds like a Jimmy Nail B-side, right? This is terror. I mean, the production, Rob, like I don't. You know, I don't like American Idiot, right? Yeah. I think it's rubbish, but Rob Cavallo makes albums sound great. What has he been doing on this album? I, don't, I it haven't is got a clue. Fucking. Ter- I mean, I've written down for the first song. There's a solo. And I don't know what it's being played on, but it sounds like it's being played on a bit of Candy Floss. (laughs) It's like, is somebody doing a Candy Floss solo? What even, what instrument is this? Synthetic. Yeah, thin, weedy wank. thin, weedy wank, right? I mean, how the fuck on Come With Me, he managed to pull off the amazing trick of being so boring that it sounds like nothing, whilst also sounding exactly like phil collins it's unbelievable and he's got some sort of harmonica organ squeeze box solo about halfway through it and i only noticed that there was actually any music on when that horrible noise came into to to play it's Mm. it's mad i mean you know that there's so there's so much on this which like swing low round in circles round and round can't see people can't sit down time just passes start to rain I look at you and feel your pain yeah it is annoying when it rains isn't it it is annoying when you've got to stand up in the rain it's
1: raining right now and it's annoying good thing to write
0: a song about yeah if these these things come to pass I'll bring you water and fill your glass and then a saxophone solo comes in (laughs) please gods take this album away from me Please. And that's track five, right? (laughs) There's still seven to go. It is fucking mad. There's a song called Not Too Late, It's Not Too Late, which is about achieving your dreams, right? Phil Collins had this to say about this song It's never too late to make your dreams come true. We should all try it. Well, if this is your dream, making a rubbish, boring song about what? About a bloke who's looking out to sea and his dreams are in the sea. What is the dream in the sea? what dream have you got that's in the scene (laughs) oh i dream that i'm gonna get on a dinghy and catch a fish and see a mermaid that's my dream wow this song should inspire you to do that mate because it's never too late (laughs) i mean fucking hell phil fucking hell
1: yeah it's it's i think having this conversation with you i'm kind of realizing Because I was trying to figure out why it was annoying me so much. Because really, this is background music. In lots of ways, this is um, like lift music or something like that. It's not something that should really borrow down into your psyche and annoy you anywhere near as much as it was annoying me. And I kind of Mm. realised it's because he keeps throwing bits in which demand your attention and sort of slap you around a bit and force you not to go under completely under some sort of hypnosis and just fall asleep to it and those bits every single time that the album was going look at me i'm doing something different i just went why have you done that that's that is
0: stupid that is awful what are you doing
1: it sounds, yeah. it's, it's
0: it's there's here's a good example of, of exactly that right you get to track nine yeah and at track nine, I am, like, fucking desperate for it to end. Right. Like, end. Put yeah. me out of my fucking misery. Yeah. And it comes the least you can do. And I get to this point, And it's, like, the one thing that did not enter my mind was, like, do you know what this album really needs? Synthetic bagpipes. Oh, thank you, Phil. <laughs> you read my mind. A Celtic ballad with fake bagpipe noises. I know. On track nine. Yeah. I mean oh my God! Who is this for?
1: track nine's a horrible place to put it as well, because you're so far in, but there's still quite a long way to go you can't
0: still three, you can't there's still quite, three more songs yeah, I looked at yeah, I mean you know, and after that. The song lengths are 4 minutes 16, 5 minutes 7, 4 minutes 46. Now, that shouldn't fill you with dread, like, when you go, well, it's 4 minutes 17, like, whatever, like, it's not that long. But looking at it, I was like, this is, like, a prison sentence. (laughs) I feel like fucking Andy Dufresne. Do you know what I mean? I'm about to get bummed in the shower by this fucking thing. (laughs)
1: Yes, you are. The shortest song on the album is three minutes and 59 seconds. And when I looked back at the track list after listening to it, I was. I just. I couldn't believe there was a single song under 12 minutes on this record. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, you have to be kidding me.
0: Oh my God. It's unbelievable. I mean. You Touch My Heart, I don't even know what it is, but it starts with fucking bird noises. And that's the last song on the record. A ballad to end, of course. Phil, (laughs) fuck off. Fuck off, mate. Yeah, they are. Another fucking ballad. (laughs) Apart from from, the fucking rapey Macarena that he puts in the middle of it.
1: That's the the disturbing thing about that song, the Driving Me Crazy song. It's Mm. a love song. The one where he's going, I'm watching you through the window. I'll be like your worst enemy the chorus then goes into because being without you is driving me crazy oh i just don't know what to do yes being without you is driving me crazy because all i want is you it's a love song you can't put a line i'll be like your worst enemy i'm right behind you every place you run to i'll be there with you (laughs) in a fucking love song
0: is he schizophrenic or something it's it's, it's
1: absolutely i found it bored because that was the only thing the album hadn't ticked off for of me at that point a disturbing element to it yeah and then suddenly i mean i don't think it's disturbing in the same way that a blood on the dance floor or a broken side or even a uh louis the 14th is disturbing because it's almost as if he doesn't even realize he's doing it but bruh. <laughs> yeah we had a full house then and that was by track eight i think and i still had 20 minutes ago eight hours left to go of the record Absolutely i mean tragic
0: it's fucking atrocious this record it it's really fifty-seven, fifty-seven 57 minutes long it is I don't even know what it's meant, what genre it's meant to be. It's just so bland, it's so boring. Uh, I cannot begin to express how dull this record me is. It may well be the most boring record we have ever covered on this show ooh. ever.
1: I'm mm, ooh. I, it, it, it's it's in with a shout, undoubtedly. It's in with a shout, and it is difficult to think of a more boring one off the top of my head I'm just sort of looking at me a little quick scan of the list and yeah you might be right it might be the most boring record we've covered
0: it is spectacular how boring it, it, it is a kind of a kind of an achievement in oh, I don't even know what but it's unbelievable how boring this record it's yeah. unbelievable I, that, so, and you know the thing about this is well let's get to the aftermath and then we'll rank it and I'll say why I am particularly perturbed by this album. The particular specific thing that has really pissed me off about this record. I'll get to in a bit. Um, After the record came out, Phil Collins was once again hired by Disney to make another soundtrack. This time, as you mentioned, in 2003 for the movie Brother Bear with Tina Turner. I don't know that. Soundtrack at all? I don't even. I didn't even know that was a film. To be perfectly honest, I didn't know anything about it. um Don't quote
1: me on this, but I think it ended up going straight to video or straight to DVD or mm. some equivalent. Um, so it, he, it did not had, do well. Let's put it. Like he that.
0: had the Tarzan thing, and then he fucking fucked it almost <laughs> straight away. Pretty much, yeah. didn't he? With this album, and then that. And I mean, he was awarded for the. He was given the award for Disney Legend in two thousand and two. He'd only done one soundtrack. He's hardly Goofy, is he? Wow. Well, I mean, he's a bit, but like, I mean, he's not as like, lovable as Goofy. He's not as lovable he really as Goofy. Um, you know, that was even less successful. But in 2003, he was also inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Wow, the, uh, the Songwriters Hall of Fame. You know the Songwriters Hall of Fame, Renfrey? I'm sure, you've heard of that. Sure. Yeah, I know, no, yeah. me neither. No, I haven't either. <laughs> but the likes of Toby Keith, Garth Brooks, and basically anyone who's ever written a song is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Because I looked at the list of people on there. It's got about 15,000 people over the years that have been inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Okay. So pretty much everyone who's ever written a song. I think Brady from Conjurer is uh, <laughs> is, is in there. I probably uh, have uh, a song <laughs> in there. In, that case. Great. Yeah. Uh, in 2004 to 2005, Collins embarked on... His retirement tour, the first of quite a few retirement tours, as he had had some serious ear problems. He went partially deaf due to an ear infection uh, around that time, which had been giving him um, a fair bit of jip, obviously. And, you know, it was said that he was going to retire. But then after a 10-year gap of leaving Genesis, he went out and toured with Genesis in 2006. Um, In 2010, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame which I have heard of, is quite a lot bigger. Oh, that's quite and a lot bigger. And he's been kind of half retired and half doing things since. Now, obviously, Genesis reformed just before the pandemic started. I actually nearly went to see Genesis last year, but my mate Mark, I think I spoke about this on the weekly Right Act show, fucking pussied out on me at the last minute, and so I didn't <laughs> yeah, go. I this, yeah. yeah, but I would imagine that would be the last chance to see Phil Collins, pretty much, because his health... You know, if you saw the pictures of him, he had to sort of walk on stage with a cane. His hearing's fucked. He's very, very unwell. He's got a very bad back. He has to sort of sit down throughout all of the shows. But I do feel like people think quite differently about Phil Collins these days, as I sort of said at the top of the show. And it's probably because, you know, he does have a fucking great, greatest hits back catalogue. Although none of it is from this, admittedly.
1: Absolutely no. None of it at all. At all. Mm. Um... I do have. I, I we will be jumping around a little bit, but I have just discovered something that really puts into perspective the Tarzan, Brother Bear. Uh, okay, go on. Flop. I I, and I do think it. This is worth cycling back five minutes. Um, on its opening weekend, Tarzan made thirty-four million two hundred twenty-one thousand nine hundred sixty-eight dollars. Right. Wow on Brother Brother Bear's opening weekend. So it appears it did go into the cinema. I was wrong on that, but it made $291,940. Oh. So that is a drop of $34 million. It's
0: <laughs> quite a lot of money, isn't it? It's a fair yeah. old bit of money.
1: And and both films cost roughly the same. Tarzan was a 130 million budget and uh Brother Bear was 128 million budget. Tarzan did end up getting its budget back uh, eventually, and and doubling it as well. But uh, uh, Brother Bear just about got his budget back, but it didn't get much more than that. So it was quite a epic fail from that mm. point of view. Yeah.
0: But you know, like I say, I think most people have sort of thawed out to Phil Collins at this point. I would say so. At Although, this point, yeah, I'll tell you, a man who hasn't. Noel Gallagher. <laughs> no Gallagher Noel Gallagher's never I <laughs> couldn't find anything Robert, he couldn't even be bothered to review it which is probably the, probably I mean, his this, album of the year this album does not album of the decade my Robert <laughs> um anyway Noel Gallagher no, no Gallagher yeah. has never really let this Phil Collins thing go. He was interviewed on BBC Six Music by Steve Lamack in 2016, and he picked a kind of playlist of stuff that he wanted to play on the show. He picked The Conqueror by Genesis as one of his tracks to play. And the reason he picked it, right, is because Phil Collins wasn't on drums. That's what he said. He said he loved the song, but he said, if Who I Am think... He said his, his drummer gave it to him and said, have you ever heard this? And he was like, no, no, I don't listen to Genesis. And then he said this about it. So he said, if who I'm thinking is on drums and it's over, I'm not allowed to like it. But he's not on it, so it's fine. I was scarred by Can't Hurry Love as a kid, clearly. So I did my last gig at Brixton and Johnny Marr got up to play with us. I was like, what do you think of Genesis? And he said, not having Genesis. And then he went on to play him this song and go, yeah, it's really, really great. But, you know, fine, because Phil Collins not, isn't on it. And this kind of brings me to why I'm so annoyed that this album is going really fucking high in our list, to be honest, Renfrey because it is fucking shit, this record. It's absolute fucking shit. Yeah. It was a chance for Phil Collins to kind of have this, I guess, critical commercial rebirth as a solo artist as people had known him for you know a a good kind of decade before and you know he's he's never had another hit he's never had another album come out and people go yeah great phil collins but he had a chance to do it here and he hasn't done it and it's just been a load of kind of nostalgia chocolate adverts and um (laughs) you know retirement tours ever since then and i think what fucks me off about this record the most is like i am not a massive fucking huge phil collins fan but I think his greatest hits is, is fucking brilliant. And I think Genesis, with Phil Collins fronting front of them, like, yes, 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 you know, I know. Peter Gabriel's stuff was the most interesting stuff that Genesis did and blah, 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 blah. But there's some wicked stuff that Genesis have done with Phil Collins fronting front of them. I, I genuinely do think that. And one thing I hate in music and the music industry and whatever is people being misrepresented I fucking think that sucks, right? And that's why I talk about U2 all the time because I think they're massively misrepresented as a band. We've spoken about, you know, we spoke about Load by Metallica for nearly fucking four hours, which was just going, this has not been appraised in the way that it should have been appraised by Mm -hmm. people. And that's not me going, you don't listen to music properly. But that is me going, you know, people like to listen in... With their eyes, they like to kind of hunt in packs. And around the time where it was easy, Phil Collins was an easy target, everyone fucking shot him down. And if this album had been good, I would have been able to go see Phil Collins. The reason this is in here is because he's been hugely misrepresented. And actually, he's a great songwriter and he's got a really good voice and he writes really fucking great songs. And in some instances, that is true. But not here, because this album is an absolute steaming, stinking, boring piece of unlistenable shit and that's annoying
1: it is there isn't a single minute i would say to suggest that phil collins was a songwriter of any talent on this record and i do think phil collins is a songwriter who had talent i'm not a massive fan either but you know mm. i can i can see if you put on the greatest hits i'm sure i would really enjoy it but there is never it, uh, there might be the odd 20-second passage here and there where you go, oh?
0: Uh, 20 seconds. I mean, yeah. <laughs> one yeah. second on this album feels like five minutes. So yeah, I would imagine yeah. a tw- 20 seconds of this album would sound the same length as like that last Mastodon album. <laughs> It literally yeah. warps fucking time, this... I mean, it doesn't literally do that, but it feels no. like it's... It figuratively warps time, this it,
1: record. It, it certainly... We have talked about time feeling very different depending on what you're listening to, you know, time flies when you're having fun, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but slows down when you're not. And, and, and the way that this album turned an hour into what felt like an afternoon, unbearable. Unbearable
0: there is nothing. I don't think there is a single solitary redeeming feature that this album has. It isn't as repulsive as some of the things at the very, very top of this record. It isn't as morally reprehensible and it isn't as just bizarre and misguided as many of the things at the top, at the very, very top of our chart. But, it is dreadful this record it is dreadful it is absolutely it has got i genuinely think this has got absolutely no redeeming qualities to it at all
1: i am trying to think of one and i am scanning through the track list in an attempt to jog my memory you'll of, never find it. i i and and well i'm not i'm not finding it no i can't i can't think of anything i can't think of anything that i liked about this record i was being really far too kind when i said 20 seconds <laughs> you know of any of this part made me think oh yeah maybe one day once he was a genius songwriter it's it's very bad but you're absolutely right to make the distinction that you have in that this never, ever, ever gets as offensive or or quite as horrible as some of the stuff right at the top of our chart. So it will be an interesting one when it comes to ranking it because I think it will place highly. Mm. But I don't know how
0: high yet. It's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, weirdly, I've been scanning stuff and I've got to... My initial feeling is between... Blood, Sweat and Towers by the Towers of London. Crikey, and, you're looking high. Wow, okay. And, and Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics, Volume 2. So Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics, Volume 2 is a disaster. Mm. <laughs> a fucking disaster. Mm. But those songs start out as something quite good. But just below that, you have Owen E. and Quigg, mm. who again, has some good songs on that record. The songwriting on this record is is dismal abysmal Mm. atrocious like staggeringly staggeringly inept for a man of phil collins uh pedigree i would say
1: there were multiple times where i raised an eyebrow at either i don't know oh not another sodding key change or um is this still part of the same song you've made such mm. a weird leap there it feels like that's just been edited badly um there were qu- there were a, a shocking number of moments that that was happening for an album of phil collins's pedigree
0: yeah and i think just below it i look at the towers of london's blood sweat and towers and i think well that is an album it's uh, just a just a a grotty, sad cash-in from a really stupid, horrible band, and they are genuinely quite dislikable, the Towers of London. I mean there's stuff above it that I would say is genuinely quite dislikable as well. I mean, you know, post Eoghan, you've got Sergeant Peppers and Mr Blobby. You've also got Richard Ashcroft and the Queen and at least kind of Richard Ashcroft and Queen and Paul Rogers and Mr Blobby and Sergeant Peppers are at least entertaining even if they're a disaster they're at least funny do you know what i mean you're at least kind of there's they might not mean to be funny but at least it's kind of amusing and bold and 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 somebody's done like i just feel like anyone could have made this album at any point in the last 50 years and it would have been just a complete non-event It would never, it never, ever, ever would have sounded remarkable or interesting or well-written or well-made or the production. It never would have ever sounded good. I mean, if you were to take Queen and Paul Rogers' The Cosmos Rocks and take it back to, like, 1959 and gone, listen to this, people would go, oh, my God, wow, what is this? If you took this back to 1959, they'd go this is boring (laughs) do you know what i mean you would this is like so boring
1: yeah you're not far off i think it also says a lot as well and i hadn't considered this but as you read out queen richard ashcroft mr blobby and the sergeant peppers ost i did think in my head yeah i'd rather listen to all of those again than this not not all four of them fuck me uh, and, but I'd rather listen to all of them individually than li- re-listen to this
0: and the thing is there's stuff above it which is a bit grotty Louis the Fourteenth, Slick Dogs and Ponies Theory of a Dead Man's the truth is there's some fucking horrible shit on that there's a bit of like ugh on Super Collider as well you know Generation Swine are still by Motley Crue Absolutely, you know, Brandon is still a worse song than anything else <laughs> oh, on <yeah>. here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at least, again, at least Brandon is hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious because yeah. we are very much laughing at you. I can't even stifle, like, I can't even, you know, I, I can't even bring myself to chuckle at Phil Collins on this. It's just...
1: It's pretty joyless. So
0: it is, It's an absolutely one of the most joyless experiences ever. And for a guy who wrote Easy Lover and Susudio... Do you know what I mean? Like, you can say, oh, the studio's cheap, and it's crap, and it's tacky, and it's, you know, but but it's got a fucking, it's got energy, and it's got, like, it's catchy. Mm. You know Mm. what I mean? It's memorable, like, even if it's annoying to you.
1: Yeah, there's none of that on here.
0: There's nothing like that on here. This is fucking diabolical, this record. Mm.
1: No, I agree. It's, it's so very bad i think um you, i mean yeah you have kind of convinced me um you're suggesting in between towers of london and six feet under are you
0: i am yeah which i didn't really think i was going to do at all but this is so fucking dull this record I'm
1: trying to decide which i dislike more towers of london or this and that's that's stumping me a bit
0: is it really i mean i i, I do think i I, don't, I wouldn't say I like this more than Towns of London, but I'm. Towns of London had me raging a bit. I was like, you fucking knobheads. Mm. You apps. I mean, there's a few things here where I'm like, God, like, that's when. See, what it is for me is that it, when it ticks over from you silly knobheads to you fucking knobheads. Mm. Mm. I can tolerate, like, you know, when you look at, like, Queen and Paul Rogers and Richard Ashcroft and it's like oh man you're such a knobbit like what were you doing you're mm. an idiot mm. but when i look at towers of london i am that's more like why don't you you know like can you just fuck off like it's, you're you're just shit when you just fuck off
1: difficult because towers of london is a closer approximation of something that i like phil collins isn't trying to do something that i like whereas towers of london is taking something that i you know, which I which I quite like. I'm not like the biggest like it's mainly pistols, isn't it? I'm not old the biggest school punk, old school punk fan in the world. But you know, they're taking something that I am familiar with and like up to a degree and
0: doing mm. shitting on it.
1: Whereas this is just I just don't like this at all.
0: Well, yeah, um, I mean, this isn't really dear. shitting on anything, is it? Because there's nothing. No, too, I guess not. Too shit on, Apart from really, it in
1: my ears. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like it. would Be I, I, I don't i don't know which i'd rather re-listen to but but i'm i'm perfectly happy to put it i mean what do you think above towers of london or below Towers of
0: London? well i i would probably rather listen to towers of london okay but yeah. i but i would probably rather listen to towers of london but i hate them more Yes, i mean i do not want to listen to this ever again like i mean this is just such a like i say it's a joyless experience but i think is it a better album than towers of london I mean, it's it's less it's less offensive to me than the towns of London. Like, I'm not actually yeah. the weird thing about this is that there are albums here that I am actually quite offended by, and I feel kind of like, ugh, this is gross. Like, you know, this is, uh, but and that I don't feel that about this. I just think this is spectacularly dull, spectacularly dull yeah. to the point where it is, you know, like a it's like a prison sentence. It's just so fucking joyless. Having any real kind of genuine strong emotion towards it feels impossible. And we've managed to make, get some out of it, but yeah. Christ!
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. Actually, I think I probably do prefer Blood, Sweat, and Towers the album, but I do hate Towers of London uh, more mm. than I hate Phil Collins. I don't. I don't hate Phil Collins. Um,
0: I, I actually don't hate Phil Collins. And again, I don't you know, this is Why I'm slightest. kind of kind of annoyed yeah. that this has to be here because yeah, like I, you, you kind of want to go. Actually, you're all wrong about this guy, and you know because yeah. he, he feels like. He's, he comes across... Ri- in, in everything I've seen in all of my research for this, Phil Collins comes across like a, a nice man. And yeah. he's got some great fucking songs. And it's just this record is beyond bad. It is beyond bad. It just enters into a new sort of realm. It's like a fucking alternate universe of dullness. It's unreal. When people say Coldplay are boring or Ooh. fucking... Whatever, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I dare you. Give
1: me Coldplay any day over this. Yeah. Oh my any god. Like, day.
0: even that new Coldplay album mm-hmm. is more interesting than this. Oh yeah. This is so boring.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that that that's a brilliant point, actually. Yeah. I defy anyone to find this less boring than Coldplay. Like, that's absurd.
0: Yeah. You like, trust me, listener. You have never heard more boring music than this. No. This might be the most boring album ever made. <laughs>
1: might be yeah it might be I,
0: I, I honestly am like what's more boring than this and i can't think of anything i can't think of an <laughs> album i mean obviously if it's that boring i've probably forgotten it so that that's, makes sense that's
1: true yes that's a kind of that's but, a, the issue of trying to think of the world's most boring album. it's a good thing we're not doing boring records isn't it Rather well the thing is records. actually
0: we do have a bunch of boring records we in do. the middle of this right towards the end and again as boring as shit like dirty vegas and the enemy is i'd take either of them oh yeah, over
1: oh, this. yeah. oh yeah
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah any fucking day of the week i mean this is terrible yep. Yep. so i've whacked it in i've whacked yep. it in Same. um just above towns of london and just below six feet under well, number, 15. Classics number 15 number 15 knocking queen and paul rogers out of the top, top of 20. uh mm. of the top 20 uh, thank God we don't have any boring music to cover next week Renfri and this is actually an album that you and I have spoken about on Riot Act before so we have had quite a long conversation it would be interesting like, I feel like I go back to this album quite a lot we are doing next week Illud Divinium Insanus ah, by okay. Morbid Angel which we have already spoken about in trade off on Riot Act but um, good chance to listen to that again in <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> uh, awesome
1: cool looking forward to that
0: so at least that's something quite different.
1: Very different. Very, very, very quite different.
0: Very really fucking different. different. Anyway, thanks very much, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. And, um, you know, keep as fucking far away from this Phil Collins album as you possibly can. It is really quite boring. See you later.